By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. So this week we're talking about the 2019 sports drama High Flying Bird, um, which is another film that Netflix has the rights to. So um, we're continuing on all of these things are available pretty much worldwide on any Netflix account, um, and you should be able to go check them out. Um, so High Flying Bird is really interesting because it's a Soderbergh film, um, and you don't see a lot of uh, directors like him working for Netflix. So, um, but Soderbergh doesn't really play by any specific rules. He works in every genre. He's a cinematographer sometimes, sometimes a writer-director. He does all sorts of things, sort of every role within filmmaking, every type of filmmaking and television work as well. Um, he just isn't, he's interested in projects and jobs and he's not so much interested in, um, well, I'm the director. I have to only release massive studio feature films as the director. You know, he's not Spielberg. Um, he's Soderbergh. And he's really one of the most interesting filmmakers, in my opinion. Um, what's kind of cool about this one is that it, it was a story suggested by Andre Holland, um, the brilliant actor uh, who is also the star of this film, um, which makes sense if he suggested it. So he sort of brought this idea up and uh, the film sort of manifested itself around him, which I think is a very cool idea. Um, and the screenplay is written by Terrell Alvin McCraney, who is an amazing playwright. Um, he wrote the play on which Moonlight is based. Um, and then he also wrote, what is the name of that one that he did that is so, um, they did it at Soul Pepper last year. Oh, I'm blanking. It's the brothers something or other. The brothers size. That's what it was. It was so good. He's such a special playwright. Um, so this, it was interesting to see how that manifested itself in a screenplay format. Um, yeah, I think this was an, an interesting movie and certainly worth, um, a lot of thought and a lot of discussion. We actually felt coming away from it that we were underprepared and undereducated with the source materials we needed to fully get the movie. So I think, um, reading as much as you can about the background of, this movie and some of the things that go into it is suggested before watching what seems at its surface to be a fairly simple movie. Um, so that's all I can really tell you going in. Enjoy our discussion. What did we watch? High Flying Bird. <laughs> High Flying Bird. 
Um, so I will admit to not quite understanding this movie. I agree with you. Um, I think there's a, a lot of things that I'm missing from, I, I think they, uh, things that they just didn't explain well or things that maybe we're supposed to know going in. Um, in terms of our knowledge of how basketball works or our knowledge of like... Sports history, maybe. Okay. More, um, because I know the book at the end is based off something I am aware about, which is the protest at the Olympics with the... Uh, um, has to do with those those two athlete, black athletes. Oh, with the, the fist in the air. Yeah. yeah. So I, I know it has some relation to that um, protest. Um, but I mean, how does it relate to this movie? Really? <laughs> well, see, this is what I mean. Like, th- this movie was written by McCraney, who is a brilliant playwright. And I, I have a hard time. The amount that I understood, the level on which I was armed to understand this movie was too superficial for what I think McCraney and Soderbergh likely would have actually done. So mm-hmm. I think that there's just a lot here that I didn't quite understand and a level I was unable to access because I do think the whole thing was in some way about black athletes and like the runner of like, whether or not you are allowed to bring up slavery and like all of that kind of stuff that was sort of operating in the background it wasn't really the plot but I think that if you were to ask the screenwriter what this movie is about that he would say something beautiful and eloquent and amazing and McCraney-ish about (laughs) the, the the black athlete and like the way you know fair wages and there was like a union dispute happening in this movie like yeah it was just like a strike it was it was a strike there was a lockout so the so like the uh, the league locked out the players because there's a contract uh negotiation that's not happening just like a teacher strike like right um, but in terms but if you sort of place that in the larger picture of it being all about like and like there's so much about student athletes being used by these weren't student athletes but um, there, there, that whole argument about student athletes who are being basically used for their bodies and then not compensated. Right. And so these young men who were in a lockout, so they weren't being compensated, but their image, they didn't have control of their own image and their right. image was still being used by the um, uh, NBA and all that kind of stuff. There is definitely sort of larger metaphorical, this movie is about slavery and the black athlete or something, but I just didn't have what I needed in order to fully access that. And that seems wasteful, but it also seems like it's my fault and not the movies. See, and, but I also see this as like, a, maybe it's a Soderbergh thing because in Contagion, it's like, it's, there's not really a plot, but there's an important thing happening and something to look at. And, you know, like, I, I, like I know it's a hard thing to movie. <laughs> Pardon? What? The Contagion's like a silly, fun blockbustery sure. movie. Yeah, like he does. But, but, I, but I mean, like, <laughs> but like, there's, there's like, he's talking about a pandemic. There, it's very important. We need to see these things happen. And except when uh, it came out, it did not feel that way. Right. It felt like a silly, like, imagine what if, almost right, like right. that movie where is it called Red Dawn, the one where like Russia invades New Jersey oh, or whatever. Right, right, you know? yeah, yeah. 
it's just that now contagion feels really like prescient and scary right also because it's it's literally like science like it's based off science they they do everything that is happening now and so it's just like oh yeah that's we knew all about this before for Um, more on contagion please visit our first episode of this series um but like i felt like that sort of we're missing a a good narrative a good (laughs) plot um that that like all of the important issues are there in this movie but i feel like that the narrative and the plot was just not there there was stuff missing or it went by too quickly points went by too quickly that we didn't sit in them um are you okay you like sneezed or something um uh yeah just but there's just there just wasn't I feel like this was maybe a like a second or third draft and we, we like it needed more work um and because the beginning actually I love the beginning scene the opening scene I love that too it felt like uh Glenn, yeah. Glenn Ross yeah oh yeah 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 and like and and the main actor, I love him. He, I think he really, carried, he really carries this movie. And I feel like if we didn't have an actor like that, it would not be worth watching. My uh, big, big hot take, and it's hot. It's real hot. <laughs> um, my hot take on Andre Holland is that he should have Mahershala Ali's first Oscar. <laughs> it's, I know, it's hot. It's because I think... Th- that that particular Oscar and its allocation is such a testament to like Oscarness because the first act of Moonlight, which is the Mahershala Ali section, yeah. is like all these like really beautiful, indelible images and big speeches. And then the third act is like tiny, quiet conversations and incredible mm-hmm. nuance. Yeah, and yeah. that's the Andre Holland act. And to me, act three is like the heart of Moonlight and the yeah. reason to rewatch Moonlight. And the fact that it, like, all of the praise and all of the attention and the Oscar and every single other award went straight to Act One made me feel like people always look for Oscariness. And Andre Holland, oh my God, Andre Holland in Moonlight is everything. Um, so yeah, he should have Mahershala Ali's first Oscar. <laughs> That's my official take. And I'm sorry, but also don't yell at me on the internet, okay, everybody? <laughs> I can I can I cannot disagree with that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Did you ever watch 1600 Pen? He was in that too. No, I haven't seen that. Um, I hated it. It was really 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 bad, but then in retrospect I'm really sad that I hated it because I didn't realize at the time because I didn't listen to Pods of America because it didn't exist yet. Uh, but it was created by John Lovett and so okay. now I'm sad that it wasn't better. <laughs> because I love the idea of him making a sitcom about the White House, because I thought it was just some dumb comedy writer from, like, I don't know, the Modern Family Writer's Room or something, (laughs) who just, like, got their own show greenlit. But actually, it was one of Obama's guys who left the White House and then pitched a sitcom, and I think that's hilarious. Anyway, Andre Holland was in it. He was awesome. He was the best thing about it by a long shot. As he often is. He's often the best thing about the thing he's doing. Did you watch the Nick? That was his big thing with Soderbergh. That the, that's a TV show, right? With um, 
with Andre Holland. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember who else is in it. I just remember Andre Holland. Someone else in that. Um, yeah, there's someone else big in that too. Um, uh, yeah, where he's like an old timey doctor. Okay. Yeah. And Soderbergh produced is it, that. Is that Clive Owen? Oh yeah, I think that's right. That's who yep. it is. Um, I have not seen that. <laughs> it's pretty good. I haven't seen all of it, but it, the parts I've seen are, are really good. Um, but he, so they worked together on that because Soderbergh produced it. And then apparently this movie, Andre Holland just like came up with the idea one day and Soderbergh being Soderbergh was able to like put a movie together and make mm. it on, put it on Netflix and get like the hottest playwright in the world to do it. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle McLaughlin. Powerful. Zazie Beats. I really like Zazie Beats. I love her. She's from Atlanta. And that just made me miss that. Not the place. That was confusing. Um, she's from the show Atlanta. Yes. And I, which makes me sad that we haven't had a season of Atlanta in a long time, nor do we know if we ever will. And also where's Donald Glover? What's he up to? What's happening? Well, he did. He did the solo movie. Yes, he uh, did. And he did the, the quote unquote live action, fully animated Lion King. Um, oh, right. <laughs> yep. And then I think maybe since then he performed at some sort of award show and then we haven't seen him. But in all fairness, he's probably just in quarantine. Well, like he's, I mean, he did a few music videos. Re- I mean, last year. I don't know. Yeah, he. W- this yeah. is the thing. Like all of my like Donald Glover massive touchstones are from at least a year, if not two, <laughs> yeah. two three years ago. So I'm like, yeah. where are you? We could use yeah. more of you, please. Yeah. Um, but she's great in general in everything. Yeah. She doesn't have a ton of range, but the the thing she does, she does so well. Yeah, I I like her in Deadpool too. <laughs> Me too. She's great in Deadpool too. Uh. I also have yeah. no problem with Deadpool 2. I know we're supposed to, but like I'm here for Ryan Reynolds any day, whatever right. you have to do, I'm going to watch it. I, lo- I love the Deadpool movies mostly because um, I am obsessed with the comics. I actually love De- Deadpool the character. Oh, um, well, there you comics. go. So, I mean, there's things that they didn't get right because like he's not really, he doesn't have any like love relationships or any of that. So all of that stuff, like the, the damsel in distress, the well, woman in the box type things. Like that's, that's With just that, like not Deadpool. I mean, but it's a movie. So they had to, I know, I know. Um, and they had to put in that woman who looks exactly like Tennille Reed. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I I talked to her about that, uh, Tennille about that. She's like, Every yeah, single, like, and because Tennille's getting a little bit bigger, like she's on Working Moms and all yeah, that. Yeah. Marina Bacharin is like not that famous. She was on Firefly yeah. and like, that's kind of it. So in my head, it's like very possible that it's Tennille Reed and every single time <laughs> I watch, I'm like, hey, I know her. Oh, no, wait, I don't know her. That's a totally different person who just looks exactly the same. That's so funny. I did a show with her in a Campbell house and my sister came to see it. And she's like, she looks exactly like, that actress <laughs> the firefly uh, lady and i'm like yeah i know she does and yeah yeah she's great though she's on working moms everyone watch working moms on cbc yeah, Tanya reed is just as great an actress maybe better yes yeah um so this movie um yeah. i just didn't get i feel like i, I left thinking it was kind of boring <laughs> Oh, also the main basketball guy looked just like Danny Green, and that was funny. I actually had a moment where I was like, "Is he? No, he's not. He's an actor, not a basketball player." I don't. Um, I don't really follow sports. 
I don't either, but um, obviously last year I watched the final 10 minutes, which is always like an hour of (laughs) three basketball games because the Raptors were winning. Um, And Danny, I believe his name is Danny Green. Danny Green is like one of the big Raptors, like one of the big famous, if you only know two names, you know him kind of thing. Well, no, maybe not. No, if you needed to know at least three names last year, this year, you maybe only need to know two in order to get to Danny Green. Um, anyway, he looks just like the guy in this movie, okay. which I thought was good casting because that means that the guy looks like a basketball player. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't understand any of the contract stuff, like at all. I, I feel like I was following, but at the same time, I was like, This isn't interesting anymore. This isn't seem like there's a lot of stakes here. Um, this is why I think it was a metaphor. Right. I just don't, I'm not cl- super clear on what the metaphor was. But I do think it was one because I also didn't understand why I should care otherwise. Um, also the implication at the end that like he set it all up and it was his plan all along. I was like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, but but also like that was the part where I'm like, okay, but this actually doesn't seem like it didn't seem like he did it in a way that was difficult. Like it wasn't difficult for him at all. Um, that he's so good that it just like there was no challenge in him putting this all together. Like it didn't. Um, and That's I felt true. Like, there was very little genuine conflict in this movie. There was like, yeah. like fake out conflict. Yeah. Except that. And I believe this is what the filmmakers would say. There's the overarching conflict of our broken society. Right. (laughs) And like, you know, it's fine, except that I didn't get it. Yeah. It's like the, the sports sports has gotten too big or entertainment has gotten too big that they, they lost track on what, what it is that the entertainment is. One of the things I did, like, I really liked all of the interviews with the the p- current players. Yeah, 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 that was nice. Um, because I like certain basketball players quite a bit. I think it's got a really, the NBA is a really interesting player culture. Um, they seem to be just, like, a little bit smarter than other athletes. <laughs> kind of, they just know what's going on. Right, Whereas, like, yeah. if you ever hear an interview with a hockey player, it's very depressing. Um, or generic. Yeah, you know, we really went out there, we left everything on the ice, you know, whatever. Whereas basketball players, there's a lot of them who are genuinely interesting and, like, progressive and smart individuals. Um, And so I enjoyed those. And one of the parts that I liked the best was when they were talking about um, some of the major players out there right now and saying that, like, the guys who, who are doing the best are the guys who you can see how much they love just playing basketball. Um, they were talking, I think they were like, like Steph Curry's out there. He's like loose, I think is how they said it. <laughs> but like Steph Curry is so fun to watch and he's fun to watch because he really does have that. Like, it seems like he loves to play basketball and that's really at the heart of it. And he would play basketball, even if you canceled his contract and nobody was there to watch or applaud for him. See, that's I someone I know. And that's someone I've seen being interviewed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's definitely one of the really good, smart, interesting ones. Um, When the Raptors were in the playoffs and I was watching 
I was like, I'm kind of rooting for this little guy. I like <laughs> that he's short. I love a short basketball player. Yeah. Because um, they've got a lot more hustle. Yeah. Um, and they seem like they really picked the sport as opposed to being, you know, if you're tall, people just tell you to start playing basketball. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, so he's he's really interesting and they mentioned LeBron. Like I think that I love the idea of them like the best players are ones who just still like basketball. And so that idea of like them not being able, like forget the money, but them not being able to play basketball is a kind of injustice and a kind of like the league has gotten away from like what you were saying, the league has gotten away from the purpose of the league. Um, and then also I enjoyed the speech about um, you need basketball to sell sneakers because, right. and like running through all of the other sports and why those sports can't sell sneakers the way basketball can sell sneakers. I thought that yeah. was, if not emotionally compelling, very interesting at least and very true. Yeah, like all, I mean, all entertainment stuff, they always have, there's always other things connected to it that people are capitalizing on. Um, so if it's like shoes with uh, basketball, it's, um, you know, it's uh, con- concerts have their, uh, artists have their merchandise, um, but then also like people sell beer at all these things and like it's just it's just a big it's a it's a money grab of this culture um and it's all set up that way like all big sky domes and arenas have all the bars all the expensive hot dogs and all this other stuff that they're getting money out of and it's all part of this big whole system yeah and to like tie that into eric's story and yeah. the idea that like Sam brings up a couple times of like he doesn't own his own image, the idea of like there's this giant corporation who has nothing to do with actual basketball, <laughs> who owns basically owns these guys and has their their on contract and pays for them and like uses their image, which they don't have any control over, in order to sell beer and make make money. And then they're told to just go out there and perform. And so like that's definitely what it was about it's just the the nuances of it kind of escaped me and I don't know whether it should have been more explicit or it just maybe wasn't for me or I should I don't know it wasn't nuanced that was the maybe that maybe what the issue was is that it was very quick and well I think this the story it like the plot wasn't nuanced like I definitely got all the beats But the complexity of the metaphor and all of the various sort of historical realities and cultural realities at play within the metaphor, that I think is really nuanced. And I think, you know, if you've read a few more books than I have, you are like, are more, (laughs) if if you've read the book that Sam is reading at the end of the movie, that's probably very helpful. Um, uh, This is not a movie you can just kind of, turn on one day and expect to fully like and appreciate because it's not an entertaining enough story on its own without its larger purpose and its larger purpose is not super user-friendly. I don't know if you looked it up but the author of the book he's that guy at the very end that he has a meeting with. Oh yeah 
Now, um, is he I, playing himself or is he playing someone else? It, in it looks like the actual author of that book. No, but is it a cameo or is he playing a different character? Or sorry, oh, is it a cameo and then he's playing a different character or is he playing himself? I think he's playing himself. And that's okay. why, because like he's the guy that put the book in that guy's hand. Right. Um, so he, he knows that all of this, like if he, if he knows exactly what's going to happen this whole movie, like he has everything planned out. Um, right. He's going to be working with this guy who wrote this um, this treatise, if you will, maybe, of uh, resistance. Huh. Um, so there's something there <laughs> that's just at the very end of the movie that um, is important. <laughs> um, and oh, I was going to say something else, but yep. Okay. Well, I don't have anything else to say about this movie. Do you have anything else to say? Um, there wasn't any basketball play, and I think that was maybe that was probably a good thing to make you feel that make you feel this lockout. That even when they played their little match, that they cut away, and you just hear about it. Um, yeah, I think that's a good idea too. Not having yeah. actual basketball. Because, um, like halfway through the movie, I'm like, okay, there's no basketball in this movie. Um, so it's not about that. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. And it also having basketball, especially a lot of it, limits your casting pool or forces you to use doubles, both of which are right. not a great thing um, because you have to have people who can like do the basketball, which, you know, I so I, I like the idea of it tr- really truly not being about basketball. Right. Um, yeah, because it could have been any sport, any entertainment thing, perhaps. Well, no, except it had it. No, it had to be well, basketball because basketball is the sport that is the most commodified. That speech about selling shoes is like very true, yeah. and, um, and it's the most and commodified. And it, too. Yeah, it's the most. Yeah. It's the most sort of black player driven. It's also the one where like the players are the most outspoken, um, and have like a history, an interesting history of like actually engaging with social justice issues and that kind of thing like it had, it had to be basketball yeah um but it also yeah like the idea that it wasn't really about the game so much yeah. as about the op- the game around the game yeah um in that sense it's not it could have been any sport which is an interesting angle that i'm glad they took cool all right <laughs> let's call it there i'll see that you next good. week see you Bye. It's a social network, isn't it? Ooh, yes. I'm really worried it's not going to hold up. Really worried. Oh, yeah? Because I love, love, love the social network. And I'm worried, it, it? I'm worried it's dated. Oh, you how haven't many, seen it? No, how many times have you seen it? I haven't seen it in a long time. Okay. I've I, definitely seen it multiple times, but definitely all sort of like around when it came out. I've seen it many times, and I think it was on once recently, and I was, and I was like, this is this can be cut. <laughs> I was like this. I was like this scene could be cut. Yeah, um, we will see. I'm worried I'm not going to like it as much as I used to, but we shall see. It was on the, my best of the decade list, so hopefully it stands up. I, I think it's still good because I like Fincher. All right. Well, I'll see you then. Bye. Bye.